And what we want to demonstrate as we're walking through these covenants of scripture (laughs) is the unity of scripture. afternoon or evening, however this day finds you, and welcome back to the Chinook Podcast, where we hope, trust, and pray and are working for the movement of the Holy Spirit in our land to thaw it out. And spring is now upon us. And boy, is it ever nice. Oh, it beats winter, hands down. 20 degree weather is amazing after negative 40 temperatures. Marvelous. It's amazing after, after like minus three (laughs) <laughs> that too, yes. That yes. too. <laughs> Long extended spring minus threes are a little bit depressing too. Yeah. <laughs> and we're supposed to hit 20 degrees today. Oh, and that's Celsius for all you poor <laughs> Americans. The um, <laughs> Oh, yes, that's yes. right, yeah. Yeah, water freezes at zero or at 32. We do have some zero. Americans listen to our podcast. So yes, I've heard about yeah. that. Yes, it has happened. Idaho and Texas and Washington. Really? Yeah. That's what the uh, the metrics. Yeah, that's yes. the metrics, yeah. Okay, you guys in Idaho, Texas, and Washington, uh, get on the horn and talk to your friends uh, in other states, and then we can say more states. <laughs> we, we need more people in Maine listening, yeah. or New York City. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Mm. Anyway. And we take somebody in Florida, too. You know. Yeah, yeah well, that, that would be <laughs> yeah. okay. That would be all right. So uh, today... Who are you? Who am I? Oh, I am me. Ah, all right. My, oh, hi, me. Hi, me, yeah. Hi, me. Suddenly, I'm Chinese. <laughs> <laughs> um, so my name is Brad Donovan. I'm uh, an elder here at Christ Covenant Church in Grand Prairie. And uh, um, we're going to open with movie or music recommendations. So for music recommendations, anything that Jamie's done, listen to it. <laughs> uh, for <laughs> movie recommendations, this is an interesting one. I, I believe that Christians should sometimes watch movies that they find to be challenging. And one that I recently watched uh, and then watched again with my family is the movie 1917. It's a, it's a recent movie. It's about an incident set in World War I. It's full of high heroism and high danger. Um, but there's something in the movie that I'd like, uh, for those of you that have seen it, you think about, and those of you that are going to watch it, because you're silly enough to listen to my movie recommendations. <laughs> Pay attention to this. The movie begins with a scene where the two heroes are seated under a tree, and the movie ends with the hero that survived seated under a tree. And there's a couple of instances throughout the movie where the tree or the trees uh, are significant. Um, they're significantly placed uh, at certain plot points. I find it interesting because... Human history starts at a tree, and with uh, the fall and rebellion of Adam, it then comes to its great, um, I don't know, not finish, but end yeah. with Christ on a tree, which I find yeah. very interesting and compelling that a pagan director uh, accidentally uh, made his image. Yeah. <clears throat> Maybe he was... Uh... Maybe he was not a pagan director. Maybe he was 
I grew up in that shallowest of things, like the Episcopalian. <laughs> okay. So for some context. Yeah, we were just watching a video. Yeah, we were just watching a Tucker, or um, yes. Doug Wilson react to a Tucker Carlson video. <laughs> we, should, we should do a video where we, we react funny. to Doug Wilson who reacts to Tucker Carlson. That would be funny. That would. Yeah, because yeah, yeah Tucker Carlson in the video <laughs> apologizes for being an Episcopalian, which I find very funny. But anyway, so that's my, uh, my music and movie uh, recommendations. Enjoy. Okay. Well, I'm Nathan Zeckfeld, and uh, I'm a pastor here at Christ Covenant Church. And uh, I think I'm going to make a music recommendation today. One uh, band that I, that I really like is the band U2. Oh, and U2. Many, many people know that band, but w- the reason I appreciate it is, um, is not necessarily because their theology is correct or, or that Bono is even necessarily a Christian, even though he has said many good things as well as bad things. Yeah. But um, his music has lyrical depth, and I just really enjoy the music. Mm-hmm. And so his uh, album, Songs of Innocence, I've listened to that album many times. There's a lot of good meat in there. Mm-hmm. And that song, Every Breaking Wave, when... Oh. Uh, when uh, COVID turned around and people kept on saying that we're going to have the second wave and the third wave and the fourth mm-hmm. wave, I'd start <laughs> singing every breaking wave on the shore tells the next one. There'll be one more. <laughs> and there was, <laughs> and there was, <laughs> and there was, <laughs> yes. uh, anyway. he, he was a prophet and he didn't even know it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Jamie souls is my name. Uh, Brad just recommended my, Music. Uh, I'm a maker of music. I made Bible story songs galore. I uh, I counted up. I had 215 mm-hmm. of them recorded. I think just where I've taken Bible stories and made songs of them. And that's not counting all the psalms that I've worked on. So, anyways, uh, <clears throat> do look me up. Uh, I have a music recommendation. <clears throat> I, a an artist that I have tracked with since uh probably since the 80s i think maybe during the 90s i didn't track but i i began to again in the end of the 90s is mark knopfler oh mark knopfler from uh he was in the dire straits band he wasn't dire you know, straits <clears throat> money for nothing then your chicks for free mm. <laughs> i used to wonder if that was like did that say chicks or did that say checks and are we talking uh-huh. about chickens or because yeah. I, I could use some free chickens. I'm so, just saying. Yeah, you could use some free chickens. Yes. Anyways, Mark Knopfler is a, <laughs> is a magnificent songwriter. Yes. He, he's just made some really, really good stuff. Uh, a consummate musician, uh, really good songwriting. Uh, there are many, many albums that he's made since those days that, um, there, there's, you know, he, he's growing old and he's making this music and it's just refining with age. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, really good albums uh, about growing old well. You it's know, a, so albums like uh, Kill to Get Crimson, yeah. that's a really highly recommended one. It's almost as if Cicero was put to music in his, um, <laughs> his letter uh, where he wrote to his son about on old age. It's yeah. that kind of a theme. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's talk about uh, the covenants that are in the Bible. We're going to do a bit of a walkthrough uh, today. And um, Nathan, do you want to start us off on that? 
Yeah, so I'll just give a quick summary of uh, the covenants, the major covenants that you see in Scripture. Um, There's also more minor covenants made as well, but I'm going to focus quickly on the major ones. Um, So we're going to just walk through uh, Adam, uh, the the initial covenant that God made with Adam. Then we're going to walk through the covenant that God made with Noah. Then we're going to make the uh, take a walk through the covenant that God made with Abraham, and then David. And then finally, the culmination of these covenants in Christ. And what we want to demonstrate as we're walking through these covenants of Scripture (coughs) is the unity of Scripture. Mm. I think uh, much of contemporary theology uh, breaks down the unity of Scripture, especially as it's defined by dispensationalism. Uh, Dispensationalism breaks up Scripture not so much into covenants as dispensations, And there's especially the older dispensationalism from the 1800s, 1900s. I I think it started in the 1800s. It started in the 1830s. Yeah. Uh, Along with JW stuff and Mormon stuff and public schools. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) That was a bad uh, bad decade. It was a bad decade. Yeah. So dispensationalism (laughs) really emphasizes the break that happens between the covenant with Adam, the covenant with Noah, the covenant with Abraham. Right. And and the difference. Yes. So, okay. same as the old and the new covenant in the Old Testament and the New Testament. All right. So, so there's uh, there's obviously uh, several different ways in which God reveals the relationship that He wants to have with men. Okay. Uh, we and we can look at those as covenantal. Uh, we had talked in a previous episode about uh, about covenants and what constitutes a biblical covenant, and we talked about the the structure that uh, Ray Sutton had dealt with of uh, that effectively said, you know, the first the first item of what constitutes a covenant is the transcendence and imminence. God's presence and closeness, um, like who is in charge here, okay? And, and secondly, uh, to whom do I report? Uh, there, there's hierarchy. There's a structural hierarchy. Uh, the third one is uh, what, do, what am I supposed to do? So there's ethics. There's, uh, there's the... the do this, don't do that. Uh, that that part of the connection with regards to covenant. How are you to behave? There's the fourth section on on judgment and on sanctions. Uh, what happens if I break this covenant? What what it, it takes place? And then the fifth section of that covenant being uh, being uh, future. Uh, orientation, inheritance, continuity. Uh, does this outfit have a future? Um, <clears throat> and so uh, there, God did make a covenant in the beginning with Adam. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> now, uh, when, you, when you mentioned that, uh, of hitting the highlights, Nathan, uh, we, w- when we talk about Adam and then Noah and then Abraham, and then David, or Mo- Moses, probably in there too. Hey, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> and then Christ. 
that is hitting highlights, but there are other things in the scriptures that are referenced as covenants. Uh, so why don't you start with with uh, why don't you start with Adam, and then I'll I'll consider the Dominion Covenant a little bit. Okay. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah. So um, at least he would refer to the covenant with Adam. Sutton would refer to the covenant at with Adam as the uh, covenant of dominion. Okay. The dominion covenant. Um, o. Palmer Robertson calls it the covenant of commencement. Okay. Um, Does he work out of uh, Genesis one twenty six to twenty eight? Um, I'm not finding anything specific right now okay. on that. He probably t- takes a more general look at it. Right, probably so. Um, it's also been called the Covenant of Works, uh, frequently, especially in Presbyterian and Reformed theology. Okay. Um, I've heard it referred to as the Covenant of Favor. God says to Adam, do this and you will live. Um, you actually don't find the word covenant in Genesis 1 to 3, but Hosea 6, uh, I believe it's Hosea 6 verse 7, definitely refers to the covenant with Adam. Yes. Where uh, where Hosea is warning the people, he's saying, you have the transgressed the covenant made with Adam. Yes. And uh, so so that's that's the covenant we find at creation. It's a covenant where God um, calls Adam to fill the earth and subdue it. Uh, he makes Adam and Eve in his image and uh, he calls them to walk in obedience before him, to not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Yeah. And Adam, in his pride, breaks that covenant. Yes. Okay. Um, I want to read a, a section from uh, Gary North's book, The Dominion Covenant, uh, talking about that passage of Scripture. <coughs> Uh, is it, it says of uh, North says of it, it says it is the personal covenant. Man's very definition is in terms of the dominion covenant of Genesis 1 26 to 28. I think North would call this the dominion covenant because yeah. that's the word given us in Genesis. Genesis. Yeah. Okay. Uh, God, God tells him that, that uh, he's to have dominion over the over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air. And uh, dominion is the word that God gave uh, for that. And so Gary North calls this the dominion covenant. Uh, and he, he says, the covenant first appeared in the garden. There is, tra- <coughs> there is transcendence where God is the creator and he assigns the dominion task to mankind. God was present, that's part of the transcendence thing. It's not just that God is so big and so out there. He's also here. He's also up close. The, uh, God was present in the garden to teach man the basics. And so we had Adam, for instance, naming the animals. There is hierarchy in this. For God placed Adam under him and over the creation. So the creation is responsible to Adam. Adam is responsible to God. There's a there's a uh, <clears throat> a set hierarchy of you know if if one of Adam Adam and Eve have children, right? So if one of one of Adam's children has an issue, who does he take it to? Well, he takes it to Adam, who's mm-hmm. who's uh, the 
the hierarchical representative for God. So why didn't Cain take his problem to Adam? That's how we know that it was a rebellion, right? Yeah. Because he didn't. Imagine what would have happened if Cain had gone to Adam <laughs> and been like, Dad, my sacrifice was no good. This bum of a brother of mine, his sacrifice was good. What do I do? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think he probably wouldn't have got the counsel to say, oh, well, you should go kill him. <laughs> uh, probably not. Probably not. <laughs> so the fact that he didn't go mm-hmm. is, is what we is how we know that he was sinning in this because he's supposed to work within the framework that God gave him. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, Adam was God's representative on earth and Cain had access to him. Mm -hmm. He could have asked, but he didn't do so. Uh, And so uh, a whole lot about uh, the disaster that, has taken place in the world since then is when men don't consult according to God's given design. They don't consult the right mm-hmm. place. They they misplace the hierarchy. Mm-hmm. They usually they stick themselves at the top. Yep. Okay. So um, <clears throat> there's hierarchy in uh, in this Dominion Covenant. Uh, there was law, okay? God gave his, his law in this, and it was manifested in the garden by a forbidden tree. Of every tree of the garden you may eat freely, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil at the center of the garden you may not eat. Okay? Uh, so there's a law there. And that's, that's a, uh, that's a <coughs> section of covenants in the scripture where God lays out the law. This is, this is the way in which you are to behave. This is the, the uh, structure by which you will be able to have dominion in this dominion covenant uh, by walking in obedience here. There was an oath, an implicit oath. Violate this covenant, O Adam, and the curse is inevitable. Mm-hmm. You, you shall surely die, he says. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you eat of the tree of which I tell you not to, you shall die. Uh, and there's continuity. The, uh, the fifth section of covenant also, the promise of eternal life, right? Uh, what was the other tree that was in the garden? Besides the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The tree of life. The tree of life. Yeah. The tree of life was there. And Adam was had free access to that tree of life. He had access to it. It was not forbidden it at all. It was not forbidden to him. Mm-hmm. Adam could have gone there, and maybe he did, for all we know. Maybe he did uh, before, before this happened. It may have happened. Mm-hmm. It seems like it didn't. It uh, seems like it was... Uh, it was almost like there was a choice between these two trees. Yep. So. And he picked the wrong one. And he picked the wrong one. He knowingly picked the wrong one. Mm-hmm. What a guy. Okay. So uh, <laughs> because, because all five of those, all five of those structuring uh, issues are there in Genesis 20, uh, 1, 26 to 28, 
I would look at that and say, well, the Dominion Covenant, that was a, that was a foundational, mm-hmm. a foundational thing that God gave, uh, gave to man to do, and that God's covenant with Adam had a good bit to do with this. Yeah, so it was God's kingdom, and he appointed Adam in the garden as with delegated authority to rule that kingdom and to expand it. Yeah. Yep. And that is continuing to this day. Yes. Yeah. Yep. In Christ. Absolutely. And yep. that, that's where we get into the, uh, when we get to the, uh, the New Testament, we're, we're going to be talking about Christ, the second Adam. Right. Yep. So, and we are the, the church, the new humanity. Because now we accomplish the dominion mandate to fill it, fill the earth and subdue it. We do it by means of the proclamation of the gospel, by baptizing and teaching the nations, Yes, going baptizing and teaching the nations. And I, I would also argue that part of our dominion is, is the mechanical arts, right? Yeah. Like farming, yeah. fracking, yeah. writing music, the, the things that we do uh, to like, you look at our world, right? I mean, I have a car. I got a broken car and I got a working mm-hmm. pickup truck right now. Yeah. Like, I'm working on that. But the fact that I could have a car, this is a long, uh, a long period of history where there's this, this development of technology and resources and capital to the point where you got Henry Ford. And then from there, right, you get this development of ideas and capital and resources and all of that is, is uh, just in line with this, this dominion theme. Yes. Taking yeah. dominion. So part of, part of our mandate to disciple the nations in the Great Commission is teaching the nations, teaching Christians how to take dominion in a way that recognizes the lordship of Christ yes. over everything. Yep. Yes. There's, uh, there's obviously evangelistic uh, purpose given us in the Great Commission. Mm-hmm. Right? We're to go and to teach all the nations. Yes. Uh, and to teach them everything that Christ commanded. Yeah, we're told. Yeah. Okay, well, Christ didn't just command that you be saved. Yeah, he also commanded yeah. okay. that you take dominion. <laughs> he also <laughs> commanded that you take dominion, and here's how. Yeah, and it's it's in the act of running a computer business, running an oil field business, working for an oil or fracking company, in farming. Mm. that you are being a witness to Christ as you live in covenant with your creator and as you witness to him in your work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so we, and this is something that runs throughout, like this is, this I, I would say is essential to humanity in, in God's design for men that okay. we take dominion. This is that we take dominion. Yeah. This is, yes, that is, you're right, Brad. That's something that God calls men to, and he's never revoked it, has yeah. he? And it's interesting to me, I, I see uh, fellows that uh, they've retired from their work, right? So they, they, they owned a business for some time, then they sold it, and they've retired. Guys that retire often just wither. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like they wither and they die. You, you stop working and taking dominion, mm-hmm. and you die. Like this is, it's part of how God's made us. We have to find some way to have dominion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's actually necessary, even psychologically. Yeah. So how did God make this possible? Well, mm. Adam broke the covenant. And right. then what God does throughout history is he starts breaking into history through his revelation in mm-hmm. scripture. He starts coming to men, sovereignly 
initiating his covenant with men. Mm -hmm. You see that in the time between Adam and Noah (laughs) in all those passages, it doesn't say that every single man walked with God, but every once in a while it says, and -and so-and-so walked with God. Enoch walked with God, and then he was not because God took him. That means that he lived in covenant with his creator Mm -hmm. and in a a covenant uh, relationship. Uh, So God does so, God makes a covenant with Noah again. Mm -hmm. Uh, The world becomes a bad place. Yes, Genesis 6. Yeah, Genesis 6. Um, It becomes an increasingly bad place, and um, God plans to destroy the earth with a flood. And following that flood, God makes a covenant with Noah and sets his rainbow as a sign in the heavens, Mm -hmm. which is not a sign of uh, gay pride, but it's a sign of God's (laughs) uh, covenant of (laughs) preservation that he will not flood the earth again. Um, Any more thoughts on that? Yeah, I find it uh, interesting in... Um, in the uh, Dominion Covenant with Adam, mm-hmm. Adam is commanded, and we and him, commanded to multiply, right? It's, the word mm-hmm. multiply appears in Genesis 1. When be- man began to multiply on the face of the land, right? Yeah. And then verse 5, the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, right? And that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. <laughs> man multiplied evil. Right, so yep. men, we, we were told, multiply, take dominion, be fruitful, and all we could wind up doing was multiplying evil. <laughs> and then the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth, and it <laughs> grieved him to his heart. So it's, it's, uh, what, what you're seeing here is a corruption of the dominion mandate. Man was yes. told, it, multiply, be fruitful. We were multiplying and fruitful in all the wrong ways. Yes, yeah, there, there. You, it can be done to multiply in such a way, uh, and to take dominion in such a way that brings judgment, and yeah. not that brings uh, that doesn't bring the blessing of God. Uh, the Tower of Babel is one of those things yes. that comes up after the Noah situation, where they, <clears throat> uh, they tried to actively disobey the word that they knew came from God mm-hmm. and to go and build this this thing lest we be scattered when God yes. said you should scatter yes it was important to scatter mm-hmm. yes and they did not okay so what's what's new in the in the covenant that God makes with Noah Well, if he'd, if he'd making a covenant with, he made the covenant with Adam in the start. What's new? Uh, what's different? Is there anything different about the one that he made with Noah? Well, in the first, I just want to bring out a similarity. Okay. Because in the creation account, we read that the earth was formless and void, and the spirit of the Lord hovered over the waters of the deep. And then with Noah, we've got waters. Yes. The earth was formless and void again. Quite. So we've got... All, it's, it's a recreation, as it were. A decreation and then a recreation. Yeah. And now instead of creating, like destroying mankind and then just creating man again, he's got Noah, his wife, and three sons yes. and daughters-in-law. Okay, so the first creation starts with a man and his wife. The second creation, as it were, mm-hmm. started with a society already. Yeah. Man his wife, the sons, and their wives, 
So there's different family units already together. Yeah, so what you have in the first covenant is it's a covenant of creation. <coughs> and in the second covenant with, with Noah, it's a covenant of redemption <coughs> because God reaches into the old creation. He's recreating, in a sense, and he's redeeming at the same time. He's taking okay. Noah and his family in the ark and through the flood. Yep. And yes. every covenant after Noah is a covenant of redemption in a fuller and fuller sense of the word. Yeah, and this is also... Oh, that's good. Yeah, it is. That's good. This is also why when we're talking about baptism, we often refer to Noah. Yes. Being first preserved... Peter. Yeah, for, yeah. For, from uh, the writings mm. of Peter. So uh, being preserved you know, in the ark through the waters of baptism, the, the, uh, the symbol that the ark is, uh, this has been commented on for the last 2,000 years of church history. Mm-hmm. This is a baptism. Yeah. Um, there's also another uh, thing that begins here and continues. It says that the flood continued 40 days on the earth. So we get to uh, we get to Moses and we get 40 years. Yeah. Um, after their baptism, they have 40 years. Yeah. So well, after, there's a whole bunch of 40s that start, and that one's the first. Yeah. And this is the first, and then we get we get Jesus after his baptism is 40 days in the wilderness. Yeah. So there's. <clears throat> and he also, after he uh, resurrected, he was on earth for 40 days before he ascended. Yes. Okay, so, so there's a whole whack of 40s, and they start there in that, in that flood narrative. Indeed. So now humanity is reborn in Noah. What were the conditions of obedience? Because God says in chapter 8, I will never again curse the ground because of man. For the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth, neither, again, neither will I ever strike down every living creature as I have done. And it's interesting. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer, winter, I'm not a big fan of winter, uh, days and night <laughs> shall not cease. And God said to, his son, to Noah and his sons, he said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Ah, ah didn't he say that to Adam? Yes. Yes, he did. He did say that to Adam. <clears throat> <laughs> Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Mm-hmm. Uh, the animals are going to be afraid of you. Everything's going to be afraid of you. You get to eat everything. Mm-hmm. They're all delivered to you. Every living thing that every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. Verse three. And as I gave you the green plants, I give you everything. Okay? Yep. But you shall not eat flesh with its life. That is its blood. Okay, so now we're starting to find this theme of, uh, of blood. Yes. For your lifeblood, I will require a reckoning. From every beast, I will require it. And from a man. From his fellow man, I will require a reckoning for the life of man. Whoever sheds the blood of man by man shall his blood be shed. For God made man in his own image. Okay, so here we start to get a covenant that's more than just it's obviously more than just personal Mm -hmm. this isn't just talking about noah's relationship with god and god's relationship with noah it's not it's not a me and god thing Mm -hmm. it's actually noah as covenant head as ruler uh with the power of life and death if God is going to require a reckoning for the life of a man, there's got to be a structure there by which that's done, mm-hmm. right? 
So there, there's something about civil, civic ness authority starting to happen here. A civil authority that's almost being instituted here. Yes. Yes. In sense. And yeah, and um, <laughs> in the. Uh, it's it's uh, it's interesting to me that the first thing that God talks about is food, okay. And the second thing He talks about is manslaughter and murder. And I find this very interesting because God talks to Adam about food, yeah, right. All the plants are for your food, yeah. Um, and then we get the account that the earth is full of violence, you know, before the flood, right? Yeah. So Cain. He was just the first, right? Yeah. There was yeah. a lot of... It, it, yeah, Cain went and built a city afterward, and so there was a yeah. whole lot of... He had a whole lot of disciples. He and did. everything spiraled uh, out of control. <laughs> uh, among the children of Adam and Eve, I'm sure. Oh, yes. Yeah. You know, I, I figured uh, I figured that... Uh, and I could be wrong about this. It's a speculation, but it seems sensible to me that Cain and Abel were probably 128... 129 years into this project when that happened. Yeah, it was not something that happened while they right. were like <clears throat> seven or eight years old. Yes, I think it was, uh, they were they were quite a long ways <coughs> along because you sort of get the sense when, uh, when uh, Abel is killed, the world is disabled. Sorry. <laughs> uh, but uh, Abel, Abel is killed and it's a disaster. Yes. It's a disaster. Think about Eve. Think about what a disaster that is for Mother Eve. But, and Adam goes and comforts his wife, and she gets pregnant, and, and she has another son. And, and she says of that son that this one is going to replace that one. That one. Mm. Okay. Well, which tells me that, that that was a fresh wound. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. That was a fresh wound. So anyways, that's probably a little bit of a digression, but... Yeah, but it, I do find it interesting that we talk about food, and then we talk about uh, about murder, and then in verse 7, and you be fruitful and multiply, increase greatly on the earth and multiply in it. So, yeah. and then God says to Noah and his sons with, and his sons with him, mm-hmm. he says to Noah and his sons with him, yeah. behold, I establish my covenant with you and your offspring after you. <laughs> Right. So who is Noah? Mm-hmm. Noah is a new Adam. He's a new Adam. He is. But he's also not the new Adam. He's a new Adam that points to the ultimate, the ultimate yes. new Adam, Christ. Yes, I've uh, <clears throat> I've characterized this when I've when I preach through Genesis. Um, I, I characterize <coughs> this as God painting pictures. Mm-hmm. God making pictures of that which is eventually to come. That's what his desire, or that, that's his way of pointing to the Messiah who is to come, is that he starts painting pictures of that coming Messiah mm-hmm. through guys like Noah. And he always does it in the context of covenant. And he always does it in the context <laughs> of covenant. I will establish my covenant with you that never again shall all flesh be cut off. By the waters of the flood. Mm-hmm. So God establishes his covenant with Noah that never again. So is it is it that he establishes his covenant so that won't happen? Mm-hmm. Is, that, is that what he says? He says that it I, seems I will that not, way. Yeah, I will never do this again. 
Well, I establish my covenant with you that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood. And and you don't see imagery of destruction by water again in scripture. You see imagery of destruction by fire, which is which is different. Yeah. And there there is one imagery of destruction by water in in, uh, in the Egyptians chasing the Israelites out of Egypt. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. But it's not all of humanity. It is yeah. it is right. one one people. It, and when we get to water and fire, because yeah, fire is an image, especially in the prophets, mm-hmm. where they're talking about fire and the sword visiting Jerusalem and, yep. and so on and so forth. We, we see uh, water in the New Testament as baptism, and we see fire at Pentecost. Yeah. Like these mm-hmm. symbols, they move forward through Scripture. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <coughs> yeah. So with Noah here, the... Uh, the everlasting covenant is signified uh, by the rainbow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, lovely yeah. thing. Okay, Great. so yeah. so in this passage, we can see uh, that God, uh, first of all, uh, th- this is coming from Him. Mm-hmm. There, there's this transcendence theme. There's a hierarchy theme. He puts. He puts. Uh, Noah in charge uh, from his fellow man, I will require a reckoning for the life of a man. Okay, so there's got to be some sort of a hierarchy that enables that to function. Mm-hmm. Some sort okay? of so there's a hierarchy. There's there's law in here. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm establishing my covenant with you, and uh, <clears throat> it's not just with you; it's with everything that came out of that ark. Mm-hmm. Uh, that I'm establishing my covenant, you are to be fruitful and multiply and increase greatly on the earth and multiply in it. Two multiplies. Look at that. Mm-hmm. Yep. <clears throat> compound multiplication. Oh, <laughs> that sounds like compound interest. <laughs> yes, it does. Very much so. Mm-hmm. So uh, all, these, all these different things that uh, Ray Sutton identified as sections of, mm-hmm. of covenant, they're all right here in this passage. All of them are. Yep. Which yep. is very cool. And, and uh, interestingly, um, Noah, he's, he's now the, the, the human head yeah. of this covenant. He's, the, uh, God's identified him as the hierarchical, yeah. the, 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 the boss, yeah. as it were, or the top of the covenant. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting in uh, verse 25, Noah brings a curse as a covenant head on Canaan. And uh, there's a lot of dispute and discussion and interpretation about this. Right. But what I'd like to point out is that Noah is acting as that judge. Yes, he is. That he was established by God to be. Yes. Uh, That's significant because we see Adam naming uh, naming animals, Mm -hmm. but we see him judging falsely, right? He's got a... A tree with a fruit yep. that he's forbidden, and he he takes it. Yeah. So we don't see Adam judging righteously, mm-hmm. as it were. But what we see here is Noah. He's cursing Canaan, and he's blessing. It's interesting. He's blessing the Lord or the God of Shem. He's blessing Shem and Japheth, mm-hmm. and cursing Canaan. So blessing and cursing. So that's the um, yes. that's the ethics and the yep. judgment section. Yeah. Noah is applying this yeah. to his own uh, sons and grandson, yeah. which 
is uh, is interesting because it's the first case of a man doing that. So you mm-hmm. see blessings upon obedience and curses upon <laughs> disobedience. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so th- that, I think, throws into, uh, into the light what Ham's sin really was. That it was a sin against God's covenant ordinance regarding Noah and his position. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's true. I, I, I think that what happened in that section is that Ham went sneaking into Noah's tent when Noah was passed out because he just drank wine for the first time in how long? Been four <laughs> or five years. It takes a while to grow grapes, you know. Yep. Uh, they don't. <laughs> they didn't just show up immediately after the flood. He had to cultivate. He had to cultivate a vineyard somewhere, and finally, he's able to harvest some grapes and make wine out of it. It had to have been four years along mm-hmm. by the time, and, he, and probably he'd had wine every day up until the flood happened. Yep. Probably, because that, that technology would have been well-established. And he probably went, sip. Oh, that's good. Oh, that's <laughs> so good. Sip. Oh, I'm going to lay down and have a nap. That's this even better. That's <laughs> even better. <laughs> so Noah goes and lays down his... Lays down and he takes his robe off and goes and lays down, falls asleep. <clears throat> Ham comes in the room, <coughs> and I think what happened was it wasn't a sexual assault or anything like that. I think what happened was that Ham saw Noah's robe laying there on the ground, Noah's symbol of his authority was laying there on the ground. I think he took it out, took it, picked it up, took it out of the tent, showed Mm. his brothers this coat. I think that's what happened. The brothers don't go along with Ham's attempted rebellion. Ham was, by by taking the symbol of authority, Mm. it, it was essentially a... A uh, try it was a, a usurpation tr- trying to usurp the authority. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's what Ham was doing was trying to usurp Noah's authority and to get his brothers to go along with it. The brothers said, "Uh-uh, we're not doing that." And so it says uh, it says in the the story that they took not just a blanket or a robe. It says they took the robe. And they stuck it on their shoulders and walked backward into the tent, and they placed it on Noah. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. That's what happened. They took the robe and went back in, and they covered Noah with the robe so as to uh, say, no, Noah is the the authority. Mm, He's the covenant Uh, head. He's the covenant head, and we're not to rebel against him. And it's yep. interesting that the curse mm-hmm. is that Canaan, the, the son of Ham... And probably infant son, right? Probably all that long after the flood. Yeah, I can't imagine he's very old. Yep. Shall, uh, a servant of servants shall he be to his brothers. And yep. this is one of the reasons <laughs> yeah. why I think this was an attack by Ham on Noah's authority. Yes. Is yep. because the curse lines up with the disobedience. Yes, yep. it does. And what's really interesting is that when we start getting into Genesis 14... Uh, and and after and looking at Canaanite culture, mm-hmm. it was all about overthrowing authority. Yep, 
the later sons on. Of, the it was all about father mm-hmm. passed on to the sons. Yep. So, yeah. Hmm. So there's there's Noah. Yeah. So let's uh, hop over to Abraham. <clears throat> right. Ah. Abraham is described by O. Palmer Robertson as the covenant of promise. So Abraham gets a, a large portion, a much larger portion of Genesis than uh, some others. Um, I think justly. Yeah, and ju- justly <laughs> so. Um, so Abraham, you'll, you'll see a couple major junctures in this covenant. You first see in Genesis 12 that Abraham is called out of, uh, out of his land, and uh, he's called to, uh, he's given promises of land, <laughs> a name, and uh, there's a third one that I'm not remembering right now. Your name great. And that you'll be a blessing to yeah. the Lord. Yeah. I will bless Blessing. those who bless you and curse those who curse you. Mm-hmm. You you don't so you see a promise in Genesis 12. You don't actually see an official covenant made until Genesis 15. Yep. That's right. when uh, God puts Abraham to sleep and then walks to the pieces of the bird birds alone. Right. Yep. And then in Genesis 17, that's when the mark of the covenant is given to Abraham, to Abraham and to his children as an everlasting covenant. Um, and then I think there's something else in Genesis 21 as well related to this covenant. It was a mark of the covenant to Noah. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a mark on people's bodies, but it was God's bow set in the sky. He said, this is the sign of my covenant. Yes. And so Isn't that, that interesting? And circumcision yeah. was a sign of God's covenant. Circumcision was a sign of God's covenant. There's something connected between those two. That I will be a God to you and to your offspring after you. Yeah. He says it in both cases. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So, dear Baptist brother, <laughs> if you get to the new covenant, <laughs> having cut off the children from it, <laughs> well, yeah, the, the old covenant included and was for the children. If you get to the new covenant and you exclude the children, you now have a lesser covenant. Well, well Peter, <laughs> not a greater. Peter reiterates that covenant to Abraham in Acts two, and he yep. says the promise is to you and to your children. Yes, so um, it's Abrahamic in in yes. many many ways. Yeah, so our our dear uh, Credo Baptist friends, please, please <laughs> reconsider, reconsider. <laughs> um, do we want to talk more about the Abrahamic covenant? Or? Yeah, sure. Okay. Let's. Dig in a little. Sure. So he leaves his his country, his kindred, and his father's house. So there's there's this going out. We'll see this again with Moses. Yeah. There's a going out that doesn't exist as much in Adam because there was nothing from which he could have gone out. <laughs> yeah. He, he was the first. Noah comes out from a wicked generation. Yeah. Abram comes out of... Ur of the Chaldeans. It's mm. one of the major cities in the Mesopotamian plain. Yeah. And if I get my chronology correctly, this was either the, the first Babylonian Empire period or just before that. So I think, uh, I think Abraham is approximately 300 years removed from, uh, from the flood. If he's that early, then I think he is. Then this is what we, what modern historians would call the Sumerian or the Akkadian periods of history. Okay. So very early. <clears throat> yeah, I seem to remember doing uh, doing the math. Mm, math. <laughs> Boy, I keep doing that math because uh, it shows up so many times in the scriptures uh, that that Abraham, uh, that I think Shem, uh, son of Noah, was still alive when Abram was around. So right. Abram could have gone and consulted old man Shem 
somewhere along the way. He could possibly have done so. So, so what's the difference here between Abraham and Noah? Well, I would say Noah, one of the major differences is that Noah was <coughs> Noah and his family were the population following the flood. Okay. Whereas now with Abraham, God is uh, setting his um, uh, Abraham and his family becomes the object of God's choice or election. Yep. And they're drawn out of the nations of the earth. Yep. And they're set apart in the midst of the nations. And they're called to be faithful to God from that time onward. Yeah. Um, as distinct from the other nations, even if there's Christian, uh, sorry, even if there's faith in God among the nations, right. yet Abraham is God's choice in bringing the seed of the woman to crush the seed of the serpent. Yes. yes. And, and, and it's interesting that it's not just Abraham, the man, it's Abraham and his descendants that follow him. Yes. Yes. Right. And that's, that's uh, the promise. Yes. And, and, and that whole, that whole line turns into the nation of Israel. Yeah. Uh, over time, mm-hmm. right? And so, so God seems to be uh, in in Abraham. Uh, God is is moving historically. He's moving from the point where he he chose this one man. He comes to Abram uh, and he speaks to him and he tells him, "Get up and go from your father's house and go to the place that I tell you to." Abram's 75 years old, and he, he lives among a people who are all, they're all scattered in their thoughts with regards to who is God, because that happened after Babel, where, where all the right. world religions arose, because men were given different ideas about who God is. And, and somewhere in there, God was able to speak to Abram with such clarity that Abram knew this was the creator God he was talking to. Mm-hmm. Even though we know elsewhere in Scripture that Terah, his father, was an idol worshiper. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, in the, in the late part of Joshua. Yeah, so <clears throat> somehow Abram immediately recognizes yeah. Who's, yeah. who's speaking. <laughs> well, yeah, and God, God made it clear to him somehow in such a way that Abraham was able to recognize it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so God speaks to Abram. Um, God spoke to Noah. Mm-hmm. Noah never spoke back to God, not even once. The right. only time Noah actually ever speaks is when he's cursing Canaan. Yes. That's yeah. the only time Noah ever speaks in the narrative. Hmm. Abraham starts to have conversations with God. Yeah. yeah. That's a new thing. That is a new thing. <clears throat> That's a new, uh, a new part. A new covenant thing. Yeah. yeah, well, it is it a is. new covenant with thing. There's a, there's and a new... It's a foreshadowing of the new covenant because Christ comes and it's not ju- he's not just saying, okay, do this, and you get no communication with me. He's open communication with us, mm-hmm. completely. Yeah. Completely open. Right? Yeah. And you yeah. even look at, uh, at the high priestly prayer uh, in John mm-hmm. where Jesus is talking to the Father. Yeah. And he's like, and I'm praying for these that they would be in me as I am in you yep. and they can be in you. It's this open communication, completely open through Christ. And one, one quick comment that I want to make on the sign of the covenant that, that God makes with Abraham. Okay. Mm. A, lot of, a lot of people have identified that sign of the covenant as a purely ethnic or national symbol. Mm. I, would, I would disagree with that because... The purpose of that symbol, as we find in other places of the Old Testament, was 
um, the call circumcise, not just your foreskins, but your heart. Mm -hmm. So in the old Testament, there was, it was intended to have a deeper meaning and a deeper reality, but also anybody who joined himself to Abraham and his family Mm -hmm. was circumcised Mm -hmm. with that sign of the covenant. Yeah. People could come to Israel and from anywhere and be marked with the sign of the covenant. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) it was, Abraham and his family, but the nations, even in the Old Testament, were being blessed through Abraham and his family. Yeah. Everyone was actually invited in. You see this yeah. with uh, when we get to Moses, this great multitude comes out of Egypt. There were also ethnic Egyptians in that multitude. Yeah. Uh, David, his mighty men, mm-hmm. half of them aren't Jewish. Yeah, a bunch of them are Philistines. Yeah. And, and that's, he's got a Hittite in there. Yeah. And that's why in Galatians... <laughs> Even though we're not Jews, we're referred to as children of Abraham. Yep. We Mm -hmm. probably have no distinct blood connection to Abraham except through, except for back through Noah. Yeah. But we're still children of Abraham. Exactly. And uh, the, um, the circumcision of the new covenant is a true, uh, circumcision. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the tail end of, uh, chapter 15, Genesis, where, uh, where God, uh, the, when the sun had gone down and it was dark, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch, mm. which we understand that to be not some guy and not, not some strange apparition. That was the Lord uh, going through those pieces. Uh, <clears throat> they passed between the pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram. Mm-hmm. On that day, that day. And the covenant was a promise of all the land from Egypt to the Euphrates, all the land of this people and this people and this people and that people and this people and that people and this people and that people, those, their land is yours. Yes. So there, there's the future, <clears throat> the future inheritance. Abram's given this picture uh, and this promise that this, and it's spoken of as God making a covenant with Abram, mm-hmm. right? So, yeah. so the, the picture of future and of inheritance, you are going to inherit all this land, Abram. Abram might have thought, well, what, me? Yeah. <laughs> like me, I, I don't have any kids. What are you talking about? I'm going to inherit it. Yes. Right, and yeah. he, he raises that objection later. Right, mm-hmm. yeah. and that, that's where we—that's uh, where we get the story with Sarah and Hagar. Yeah, and yeah. Sarah laughs, and that's why Isaac is called laughter. Yes, <laughs> but it—it it is in following with this this uh, fivefold covenant model. I mean, we've got the transcendence. We've got the Lord grabbing a hold of Abram, yeah. drawing him out of Ur, uh, hierarchy and authority. We've got that. Yeah. In you shall all nations of the earth be blessed. The ethics. Follow me out of Ur. Yeah, come out. So yeah. he comes out. You notice that Abram, he's told, get out of there. Yeah. And he just, oh, okay. And yeah. he does. It doesn't seem like there's a big argument here. And then the judgment, I mean, and the sanctions, <clears throat> well, clearly if he hadn't have obeyed, I mean, we wouldn't be talking about him. Yeah. But, um, yeah, he's, he's, Abram is, like Noah, a good example of obedience. Yes. Yeah. And he's faithful with a whole lot of, Mm-hmm. Wealth, for instance. Yes, a- Abraham was no poor man. He was no. Yeah. Uh, he was no. Uh, 
a single operator walking alone through the desert. That wasn't Abraham. No, a- not Abram, at all. Abram came out of Ur of the Chaldees. Lot came with him. Sarah came with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, they went to Haran for a while. Uh, his father dies there. He, he moves on with those into the land of promise. Uh, but he's, uh, w- we learn from the story later on that he's got a whole bunch of people around him. Yep. He, you, you, you don't have a small operation if you've got 318 fighting <laughs> men raised in your house. Yeah, those are men raised in his house. That yes. means that they were born there and trained there. Exactly. Yes. So if there's that many guys who were trained there, you can expect they had wives, they had children. <coughs> uh, they were children of people that belonged to Abram. Yeah, and he, okay. he went into Egypt in that first famine in chapter 13 and yep. came out with considerable wealth. Came out with a bunch more people too. He did, a bunch of people. Hagar among them, I think. Yeah, I believe you're right. And um, sufficient that when he returns from rescuing Lot and the Sodomites, mm-hmm. he doesn't want to take any of the stuff. Yeah. Like he is sufficiently wealthy that he doesn't need yeah. a gift he doesn't need a gift from that guy especially. Yeah, from that guy especially. <laughs> and then he gives a tenth to Melchizedek, which is a thing that Paul in Hebrews makes quite a bit of hay out of. Yeah. Uh, that the, the lesser tithes to the greater, which is true. Mm-hmm. Um, and then later uh, we've got... When, when, Isaac is, um, when Isaac is born, yeah. Abram is handing over to him quite a patrimony. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's treat, Abram is treating with Abimelech in chapter 20 as an equal. They're yeah. negotiating treaties. You yeah. do not negotiate a treaty with somebody. With some desert dude. Yeah, with some, yeah. some guy riding a camel in the desert. This is a guy who's got substantial means and wealth. He's got yeah. his own private army. He's yeah. parked in the middle of the land with... He's able to beat five foreign kings in chapter 14. Yeah, and he chased, yes. he chased those guys. Yeah, he, he chased them way up north of Damascus, it says. That's, yeah. that's like 150 miles or 160 miles, long ways. Yeah, so he, he caught them north of Dan, right? So he, Sodom is in the south. He yeah. got the message. He starts chasing. He catches up to this, this horde at Dan, which is you know, in, in the area of the Sea of Galilee. And he continues the pursuit north of Damascus. Yeah. Like, this is, this is not... Um, it's not a small operation. Not a small thing. And this would have been, like, front-page news. Mm-hmm. Imagine the local newspaper in Damascus. <laughs> 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 and here's the other interesting thing, is the people he's chasing, the Elamites, mm-hmm. Elam is on the eastern side of Babylonia. Yeah. Elam is in modern Iran. So it's way over there. Way over there. In order to get from Elam to Sodom in the ancient world, you would have had to have crossed the Euphrates near Damascus. Mm-hmm. Like to the west of or sorry, to the east of Damascus. Uh, because that's uh, where all the fords were. Right. The Elamite empire at the time was was pretty It was a long way off. Pretty strong, but it was a long way off. Yeah. Like these, this is these people who ruled over yeah. Sodom, Sodom yeah. and Gomorrah. So and this is on their part. This this is a very uh, a very um, 
big military operation, very yeah. expensive. It's an expeditionary war. Basically, if you'd signed up for the Elamite army, you knew you were going to be away from home for two years, yeah. at least. So yeah. you had to take care of your harvests and an arrangement for your crops and your family before you left. But Abram was sufficient a man uh, to chase them down, rescue the uh, all the men and the, the women and the children, and then return them all. Yeah. <laughs> so, so Abram. With that, uh, with that promise in uh, chapter 15 where the covenant is cut, basically the idea of that, uh, that covenant is if, if I break the terms of this covenant, then may what has happened to these animals happen to me. Yes. And in the uh, crucifixion of uh, Christ... His uh, his flesh is torn so that God's word to the patriarch Abraham might be fulfilled to us. Mm-hmm. In that way, he takes the curses of the covenant upon himself for yeah. our covenant breaking. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah, so, so it was an excellent far-off picture that God painted for people. They were supposed to be able to reflect on the word that told of the story of Abram mm-hmm. and to think, okay, well... God is going to send his Messiah one day, and what's it going to look like? What's it supposed to look like? Well, right. Well, he's supposed, you're supposed to be able to look at Abram and see things that God is revealing about the Messiah who is to come. And that's, that's one of those really far-off uh, <coughs> things uh, where, <clears throat> where Christ intends to die for the sins of his people. He, he intends mm-hmm. to do this, but it's a, the picture of it that's shown to us is shown 2,000 years earlier here. Yes. We're, right? We're, Long time earlier. Yeah. We're God before and it Abram, actually ever comes to pass. Yeah, where God and Abram enter into this covenant, uh-huh. and God passes through the sacrifices. Yeah. yeah. If, if Abram breaks covenant, the curses fall on God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's that's crazy, which is yeah. unheard of in ancient covenants. Yeah, you don't do that. Yeah. The, 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 the foreign <laughs> yeah. foreign conquering king would have said, "No, you're gonna go through this with me. Yes. And if you break your end of the covenant, you're done." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Abram falls on a dreadful and great dark or er, sleep. Behold, a great and dreadful darkness fell on him. It's a type of a sleep, much like Adam. Yeah, yeah, much, yeah. There you go. Much like Adam, but I find it interesting. That the Lord passes through the sacrifice, mm-hmm. Genesis fifteen. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah, as you said, Jesus. Yeah. All right, let's hit the next covenant. <laughs> okay. Um, <clears throat> well, we're, before, we're, I, I don't think we're going to make it anywhere near through these covenants. I, I think we might have to go for a part uh, three. We might have to go for a part. We might have three to go for a part three at, at some point. Okay. But which, what do you have up next? Yes. What do you have next? Do you want me to wait? Uh, sorry, do you want me to wait till uh, next podcast for 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 this? Oh, we could we we could totally leave our our viewer or li- listeners hanging on a cliff. Yeah, we yeah, could. There you go. Yeah, because God loves cliffhangers. He does love cliffhangers, and yes, we love God, so we we don't mind making other people wait for us. <laughs> 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 okay, <laughs> who well, do you have up next? Yeah. I've got Moses. You got Moses oh, up next. Which Moses is a good, a good place to yeah, start. And we I think. we can't. Yeah, uh, that is a good place to start. Uh, we don't want to just dip into Moses. Uh, no, you you no, got to you, you got to give us some time. I think there's a lot of misunderstandings that surround Moses, and so True. I think it's good to work out a clear view of 
Moses. the role he and uh, the Ten Commandments play in the... Yeah. Yes, I think so. <clears throat> I, I th- think that's so. probably true. Yeah, if you dip into Moses instead of going whole hog, you're only going to ever wind up like Pharaoh. I mean, <laughs> 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 who also went through the baptism of Moses, except he didn't make it out the other side. Yes. Yes. Okay, well, <laughs> let, uh, let's do that then. We'll, uh, we'll take a break until the next time, but we are going to dip back into the scriptures and be walking through some of the covenantal arrangements that God made with his people uh, in the scriptures. Uh, we've got a structuring device that we're working with that we think is actually, it actually works, and we're thankful for this. Uh, this sort of a five-point uh, covenantal structure that asks the basic questions, uh, who's in charge here? To whom am I responsible? What are the rules? What happens if I break the rules? And what is the future of this outfit? Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that's roughly what we're dealing with. So I uh, bless you on your consideration of the scriptures. If you have a, uh, a topic that you would be interested in us pursuing, by all means, give one of us a call and let's have a conversation and we may be able to get to that sort of thing. So from the Chinook podcast, uh, this is Jamie Souls along with Nathan Zeckveld and Brad Donovan. Blessings to you all. Have a great day. Thank you.